0: What happens when you bring together a group of young women of color to cover one of the most racially charged trials in our country's history? Really good journalism. For the Racial
1: Marketing Project, I'm Samantha Honglong. I'm Chombu Wagu. I'm Tiffany Bowie. I'm Sophia
0: Mohammed. I'm Fabian Karazkiha. You're listening to Voices of Change. I'm independent journalist Georgia Ford. In this special, we're going to look back at Racial Reckoning, The Arc of Justice, a journalism project of KMLJ Radio in Minneapolis, Ampers Diverse Radio for Minnesota's communities, and the Minnesota Humanities Center. You'll meet the young reporters who made the project a success and hear their thoughts on the future of journalism. Go. 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 In May of 2020, the horrifying video of Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin kneeling on George Floyd's neck rocketed around the world, inciting anger and outrage. Police
1: on the flashbangs, everything.
0: KMOJ radio station manager Freddie Bell could hear the deep pain and the anger of listeners calling into his morning show. His community was in crisis. Demonstrators flooded the streets crying for justice, and destructive fires lit up the night skies. But KMOJ didn't have the resources needed to report on what was happening right in their own community. Bell knew he had to change that. Then on January 6, 2021, as he watched the news coverage of some very different riots at the nation's capital, he became even more energized.
2: And I can remember seeing the different reporters who were covering the story, and it was just frustrating because I did not see one person of color telling the story through their voice and hearing it from their perspective. Even though the facts are the facts, there is a difference, I thought, in sharing. And then we got telephone calls from our listening audience asking who is our reporter on the scene. Well, not only did we not have a reporter on the scene, we have no news department. So I processed that a little bit and I decided that we needed to try to figure out a way to report on news of importance to our communities.
0: The historic trial of Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin for the murder of George Floyd was just weeks away, so Bell knew he needed to act fast. He took his idea to AMPERS, a nonprofit organization that provides support and programming to 18 public radio stations across the state. With help from the Minnesota Humanities Center and several other generous funders, they created Racial Reckoning, the Arc of Justice. The goal of the 10 month project? to hire young reporters from diverse backgrounds to cover the Derek Chauvin murder trial and the many racial and social justice issues unearthed in the wake of George Floyd's killing, daily updates would air on KMOJ, other Ampers radio stations, and across social media platforms. Ampers assembled this temporary newsroom, hiring a team of five young freelance reporters who all happened to be women. — It also brought on board some seasoned professionals to lead the project, including me. As an independent journalist and a Black woman, my job was to serve as lead reporter while mentoring the young reporters along the way. I remember when I got the call about the project, I was so excited because I had planned to report on the trial anyway, independently. But I was also really overwhelmed because I knew it was a very big undertaking. So to be able to plug into a project like this was incredible. It gave me the opportunity to be supported while also supporting others along the way. In addition, longtime public radio reporter Marianne Combs was
3: hired to train the reporters and edit our stories. What was interesting for me coming into this situation was, first off, that we were given permission to try something new. And... My role was to trust your judgment as a Black woman who, in your lived experience, you have so much more knowledge that I will never have. And so when you say, I think this is an important story, we should do this story, my default is to say, yes, absolutely. How can I help you tell that story? Nationally,
0: there was an immense appetite for media coverage of the Derek Chauvin murder trial, As we began filing daily two-minute radio reports, other radio stations beyond Minnesota picked up the stories as well. By the end of the project, more than three dozen radio stations nationwide aired elements of racial reckoning, with some reports reaching more than a million people. Weekly updates were translated into Spanish, Hmong, and Somali in order to reach Minnesota's largest immigrant communities.
1: Hi, my name is Samantha Honglong.
0: Samantha was one of the first reporters to join the team. She had just graduated from the University of St. Thomas, where she studied communication and journalism. Like many of the reporters who joined Racial Reckoning, Samantha is an alum of 360 Journalism, a program that teaches key reporting skills to high school students from diverse communities. She immediately put those skills to good use, covering the justice system.
1: I've always been curious about it, and I really enjoy knowing the detailed process of it because that's where that's where things get lost in the system you know these systemic issues that impact everyone the disparities that exist within the prison system and it's the little things that matter so watching jury selection watching what questions are asked who gets picked the order of which of dying, the prosecutors said, present the I'll information the for opening statements and proof, closing statements
2: proof, they're gonna kill me they're gonna kill me man You will hear him crying out, and you will hear him cry out in pain.
0: Samantha says while she loved digging into details, reporting on the trial took a toll.
1: Just processing your human emotions and then also being an early journalist and, like, navigating how to word things, how to tell a story, how to be, quote, objective, but also, like, present the facts But also include the nuances behind the facts. You know, it's like,
0: I want to capture this. I want to do it right. To complicate things, all of this was taking place during the COVID pandemic. The Racial Reckoning newsroom was virtual. The team met weekly via Zoom to talk about their story ideas and share their experiences, but rarely gathered together in person. Still, Samantha says, those weekly meetings were special.
1: During my college experience, I was in like multiple newsrooms, just as an intern. And like I've been able to sit in on different editorial meetings and just the way that we handled it at Racial Reckoning, sitting in those meetings was just a whole nother like vibe, a whole nother experience. Cause like you're just able to be vulnerable. You're able to express like how covering this specific news is impacting you. And that's just like unheard of in most newsrooms, I would say.
0: As a part of those weekly meetings, reporters talked about what they wanted to do differently. Samantha advocated that racial reckoning reporters never use the phrase officer-involved shooting because the language was vague and passive. The team agreed to always be as specific as possible when covering instances of police violence. Samantha was on duty the day Dante Wright was shot and killed by police officer Kim Potter. She also covered his funeral.
1: My son had a smile that was worth a million dollars. And there was this moment where Katie Wright kind of went on for a longer soundbite than usual. And I wanted to use it because I thought it captured her pain pain as a mother losing her son. And I, like, covering the funeral in a way of, like, knowing that this is capturing who he was as a person, how his family and friends are remembering him, and not just, like, this was a black man killed by police during a traffic stop. The focus of the story was who was Dante Wright, and I was like, okay, yeah, we're doing something good here.
0: Samantha says she wants to see more newsrooms where the reporters are from the communities they cover. She says she believes reporters in general would do far better in the field if they kept in mind the impact of their presence on the people around them and showed more empathy in their interviews. Additionally, Samantha says it's critically important that newsrooms transform into more welcoming spaces for reporters of all backgrounds. The
1: biggest takeaway, that being in a newsroom where you can be vulnerable, express your emotions, yet also cover the news critically, and being able to be in a space where you can present your full self without feeling this judgment— I'm not having to fully explain, like, where you're coming from. Knowing that that's possible, I think racial reckoning, like, reassured me that's possible. And we'll get there. Little by little, I'm trying to, you know, shift the narrative in the newsrooms I touch.
0: I'm so proud of Samantha. She used her journalism experience with racial reckoning as a catalyst to work as a content editor for Fox 9 News. Unlike many young reporters, she successfully made the transition from college to a large market media outlet without first having to take a job in a small town far from her family and community.
3: Hi, I'm Choma Uwagu, and I am 23 years old.
0: In many ways, Choma was the glue that made racial reckoning stick. The child of Nigerian immigrants, Choma was born and raised in Minnesota and graduated from the University of St. Thomas with degrees in communication studies and cultural studies. Choma was hired to manage racial reckoning social media accounts, but ended up doing so much more. When reporters went out to cover protests, Choma was their buddy in the field, serving as an extra set of eyes and ears for safety. Her community connections
3: also opened doors for reporters. I I never thought that there could be journalists that were truly trusted in the community it was always like there's journalists and then there's the community members and then sometimes community members will give their story, but it always felt very transactional.
0: When asked what would be a stretch goal for her, Choma said she would like the opportunity to report a story as well. She ended up reporting close to a dozen stories on art memorializing George Floyd, on Black maternal health, and on the resignation of former Minneapolis Police Chief Arredondo. When a mass grave for indigenous children was found at the site of an old Canadian boarding school,
3: Choma decided to do a story looking at the implications here in the United States. Laja is now the author of the most comprehensive list of American Indian boarding schools in the U.S. So far, she's identified 407 of them. She says the boarding school era is America's best-kept secret, only now gaining national attention. Recall stories As the, the digital media cast. producer, Choma was exposed to the darker side of interacting with the public on racially charged stories. We would, like, boost a story and we'd just get, like, all these really angry comments from people. But you're not allowed to comment back, right? You have to, you know, retain your composure because, you know, you were the face of racial reckoning, so you can't comment back. The most you can do is maybe block them. Or just let other people hopefully fight your battles for you. So that was really hard. Watching people just say these things and like, you know, these things aren't true. You're a Black woman, so you know these things aren't true. And then we would always talk about it in our meetings. And that was always helpful as well, just to debrief. But it's hard, you know, when, when somebody who looks like you is, you know, the victim in the situation.
0: Choma says when she graduated from college, she didn't really think she'd be able to become a reporter.
3: Because of of who I was competing with, like, oh, I'm not going to get, like, a big journalism job outside of college, and I don't really want to move out in the middle of the United States. So I'm—I guess I'm just going to go to corporate, and that's what it's going to be. But having this project kind of brought me back to, like, that's why I did my major in the first place. I do really enjoy storytelling and connecting with people and connecting them with other people through their stories.
0: Now, Choma says, because of her experience on racial reckoning, she plans to continue reporting.
3: I think we made something really special— And if you had told me when I was still in school, this was possible, I would have been like, okay, I guess, but I don't see it anywhere, so I don't think it's going to be possible.
0: I have been so inspired watching Choma blossom as a storyteller. It was such a joy to watch her. At times, I know it took courage for her to tackle new things and push beyond what she was comfortable with, but that work paid off for Choma, and we're also blessed by her finding her own voice as a storyteller. You're listening to Voices of Change Reflections on the Racial Reckoning Journalism Project. I'm Georgia Ford. Voices of Change is a production of AMPER's Diverse Radio for Minnesota's Communities with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Racial Reckoning hired young reporters from diverse backgrounds to cover the historic trial of Derek Chauvin and the many racial and social justice issues unearthed in the wake of George Floyd's killing.
4: Hi, my name is Tiffany Bowie. I live in Minneapolis. My family is from Vietnam, and they settled in St. Paul after immigrating to the U.S.
0: Tiffany Bowie joined Racial Reckoning after the trial of Derek Chauvin had concluded, but before he had been sentenced. Tiffany brought with her a lot of experience. She was the managing editor for the Minnesota Daily, the University of Minnesota's campus newspaper, and she'd completed multiple internships in the Twin Cities newsrooms as well as at National Public Radio. She's passionate about journalistic ethics and is always mindful of power dynamics. When ex-police officer Kim Potter took the stand in her defense for the killing of Dante Wright— Tiffany pitched a story about the power of white women's tears in racially charged situations.
4: I think I was able to do those critical stories that may not have made sense to an editor if I pitched it somewhere else. Like, why do we want to talk about her crying? I think a lot of news outlets covered her tears as maybe a show of contrition, as a a video-slash-soundbite that shows her being really emotional and that gets views. But Marianne empowered me to think more critically about this story and then do a feature specifically talking about what is the history of white women weaponizing their tears or their victimhood, especially against black men, and what those tears mean to like white men and how they enact violence against black men. And so going into that history, I think, was really important. Whether or not Kim Potter was faking it or whatever doesn't matter is that there is history behind there.
0: In addition to the police trials, Tiffany reported on housing discrimination and the protest over the Line 3 construction on treaty-protected land. But more important than any single story, she says, was the experience of working with her fellow reporters. I had
4: always wondered what that would be like, having worked in predominantly white newsrooms and having to feel like I had to constantly be on my toes or advocate for myself. Whereas here, I had People who are willing to look out for me and also advocate for me and validate my ideas. And so I feel like because I was here at Racial Reckoning, I could move into a newsroom like this. Like, I could imagine a newsroom like this. I don't know if I could necessarily build one, but I know that that is a space that I want to be in.
0: Tiffany says mainstream newsrooms need to do more to support racial equity than just make a few diverse hires.
4: I think every journalistic organization that purports to be unbiased or objective needs to be very clear what their values are. Are you anti-racist? Are you willing to examine the United States as an imperial and colonial project beyond like big history, scholarly, critical race theory words? That's the history of our country. And if you are going to be telling stories about the history of our country and the people who live in it now and are affected by it, and the people who have inherited power from it, um, you can't, Just pretend that you exist outside of that.
0: Tiffany is a natural. She came into the Racial Reckoning Project with great instincts, strong values, and a clear vision of the change she wants to make in the journalism industry. We're so proud to have contributed in a small way to her journey. She has since been hired by Public Radio's Marketplace, where she continues to bring her critical analysis of power to the financial world.
5: My name is Sophia Mohammed. I'm a sophomore at St. Thomas. I'm studying journalism and double minoring in justice and peace studies and theology.
0: Sophia Mohammed was the youngest reporter in Racial Reckoning's newsroom, and she dove right in, taking on new challenges with enthusiasm. Her first story, covering the sentencing of Derek Chauvin. Accompanied by Tiffany Bowie, Sophia made her way to the courthouse, where journalists from all over the world were gathered alongside community members and activists holding
5: space. I noticed that there was a lot of invasion of space, just seeing them stick a microphone in people's faces and putting them on the spot without really understanding that this is a hard time, not only for people of color, but for Anybody who's been living in Minneapolis in the past year who's there, and even the journalists who are local, who have been in the thick of it all, it really sickened me, and I didn't like it.
0: As a Somali-American, Sophia advocated for stories about the Somali immigrant community— That led to a report on Somali
5: Independence Day. Because oftentimes when the Somali community is in the news, it's often for some, it's for something bad. However, there are a lot of positive stories. And an event like this, after a year of shutdown and everything that was going on, being able to be in community with one another was very important. Any journalist could have covered that story. But I think being a Somali journalist, a Somali person that happens to be a journalist gave me a different lens and I was able to approach it from a different perspective.
0: Sophia went on to profile local activists and reported on several community events. She also produced stories on racism on college campuses and Minneapolis's public safety charter amendment. Sophia describes herself as an introvert, but over the course of the project, she found her voice and her self-confidence grew.
5: I am considering pursuing a career in journalism. I haven't ruled that out. However, what's unique about this project is that we are in community with each other. We were and still are. I still keep in contact with the reporters that I worked alongside with. And from what I've witnessed, read, seen, and even heard firsthand, that is not the experience that most people have in newsrooms. And it's very sad, and I just can't see myself working in journalism if if I don't have this kind of support. I feel like racial reckoning really set the bar for how a newsroom should operate and how reporters should be supported, reporters of color should be supported.
0: Sophia for me, helped define why this project was so important. As a reporter myself, there have been language barriers that have prevented me from reporting stories in the Somali community. Not only did Sophia bridge that gap, but she has a genuine compassion and empathy for the community that she's reporting on. To me, Sophia is the future of journalism. She exemplifies why true transformation is needed in the industry. Coming up, a first time journalist holds her own against national competition. You're listening to Voices of Change, Reflections on the Racial Reckoning Journalism Project. I'm Georgia Ford. Voices of Change is a production of Ampers Diverse Radio for Minnesota's Communities with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Over the course of 10 months, these young reporters not only filed daily radio reports, but also helped provide live coverage of breaking news, appeared as guests on the project's weekly podcast, Bearing Witness, and produced video reports for special programming on the anniversary of George Floyd's murder. While all the racial reckoning reporters are success stories in their own right, one young journalist's experience stands out. Hi, my name is Faven Garazgihar racial reckoning was Faven's first reporting experience since participating in 360 journalism in high school. She went on to study economics and global studies at the University of Minnesota. After a few years working various jobs, Faven decided she wanted to try
6: something new. That's when she connected with the Racial Reckoning Project. I felt like it was very radical. I mean, this was my first journalism position. And then To be in a space where I'm like very supported and there's a lot of trust put in my ideas and what direction I want to take. Faven took to
0: reporting naturally and thanks to her background in community organizing brought a level of nuance to her radio stories that many mainstream newsrooms lack. When the trial of Derek Chauvin addressed painkiller addiction, she went to treatment centers to find out what impact that high profile conversation had on the community.
6: In the Derek Chauvin murder trial, the defense attributed George Floyd's death in part to his substance abuse. Allie Carey is with the Steve Rumler Hope Network. She says communities of color are often criminalized for substance use. It can still come as a surprise sometimes, the degree to which
4: substance use continues to be framed as a personal choice.
0: At weekly editorial family. meetings, Favin advocated for expanding racial reckoning's coverage and including new voices
6: especially when it's like the same group of activists speaking at events, being mindful to like also give platform to different organizations and activists who are also doing the work, but maybe are not the first person people jump to for a quote because maybe they didn't say it as neatly or they're just not as widely recognized. Just to be mindful of like the different people who are in the community who maybe have different relationships to media and to also be like, we are a community of people who all have different voices but they're all valid. Faven says she particularly
0: appreciated the ability to stick with the story when other news outlets moved on. One example, the killing of Winston Smith by members of a federal task
6: force. There was some fatigue around protests and racial justice. And then because that initial narrative about Winston Smith had been like murder suspect, I think some media were like, okay, we're not going to focus as much attention on this. But there were still activists and people who cared, who were occupying space. It isn't necessarily like, this is the most popular and interesting thing for people to click on, but like, this is what's happening. And so that's what we're talking about. When it came
0: time to cover the Kim Potter trial, Faven represented racial reckoning inside the courtroom. Twice, she served as a pool reporter for all news media, sending her observations out to local and national outlets for use in their coverage. In just 10 months, Favin went from a first-time journalist to holding her own alongside reporters from NPR, Fox News, and other major newsrooms. Now, Faven is working as a freelance reporter for several outlets in the Twin Cities and nationally. She says she was initially concerned that, as a Black woman, she
6: would only get work writing on Black issues with the Black lens. But... I think it's also a valid thing to continue looking at things through a racial equity lens. And so with various stories that I'm reporting, if it, even if it is something as generally applicable as like mental health, it's like, how is this specifically impacting people of color? And how might this moment be tied, the moment of our politics and history and civil unrest?
0: Faven is an amazing writer. Her thoughtfulness and ability to communicate the complexity and nuance that exists in most stories is what distinguishes her from other reporters. The racial reckoning project ended on Christmas Eve 2021 with Faven's report on the verdict in the Kim Potter trial.
6: After three days of deliberation, a jury on Thursday found former Brooklyn Center police officer Kimberly Potter guilty of two counts of manslaughter and the... Death
0: Over the of course Dante of 10 Wright. months, this team of young reporters took on numerous high-profile stories. The trial and sentencing of Derek Chauvin, the one-year anniversary of George Floyd's murder, the killing of Dante Wright, the protests that followed, and the trial of Kim Potter. They reported on art, education, health care, housing, and the environment. And they did it all with both empathy and accuracy. Managing News Editor Marianne Combs says she came away from the project with a new
3: understanding of what equity in journalism looks like. The lesson I kept on learning and relearning was that it just takes the opportunity to do the work and to do the work repeatedly to get better. So how do we make sure that everybody has access to those opportunities? Because the reporters were
0: all women of color, they were comfortable seeking out diverse voices for their stories. Meanwhile, mainstream newsrooms still struggle to accurately reflect the diversity of their communities. KMOJ station manager Freddie Bell says in his eyes, the project was an unmitigated success.
2: It's a template. I, I expect that there will be other stations, uh, other entities across the country who will try to emulate what we've done. I think... Uh, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, and I want to see that happen. And the the big takeaway from all of this is that we, we can climb as high as we really want to climb and tell good stories in the process, stories that need to be heard, that only people of color can tell in the way that we tell it and still be factual.
0: It has been such an honor to have worked alongside these amazing women on the Racial Reckoning Project, For me, this project symbolizes the opportunity that so many journalists of color deserve to be able to be in community and tell our stories. There's a cultural competence that we as Black women and women of color hold that gives us a different lens and perspective and a level of compassion. When we go into our communities and talk to our neighbors about difficult subjects, we do it in a way that strengthens relationships as opposed to creating more barriers or distrust between community and the media. Seeing some of the journalists from our project go on and get hired by mainstream media outlets, I I think that is what I am most proud of about our project. We gave an opportunity to women who are great storytellers to do the work, and they show the world why women like us Are worth investing in. You've been listening to Voices of Change, reflections on the Racial Reckoning Journalism Project. I'm Georgia Ford. Voices of Change was written by Marianne Combs and myself, edited by Aaron Warhol, and produced by Justice Sanchez. This documentary is a production of Amper's Diverse Radio for Minnesota's communities with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. For more information about the Racial Reckoning Project, visit the Ampers website. That's (laughs) Ampers.org.